You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Born apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host along with Ryan in this two-part episode. We are excited to bring on two fantastic guests. First up is actor Joseph Marcel, and second is Danielle Page, best-selling New York Times author. So, on our first segment, Joseph Marcel, you best know him as Jeffrey from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Well, he's got a new film coming out called The Exorcism of God. Joseph Marcel, who has been a revered actor for 50 years, got his start at the Royal Shakespeare Company and has appeared in over 100 plays, from King Lear to Hamlet at the Young Vic, where he played Polonius, but he's known most as the beloved Jeffrey on the iconic Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for six seasons. He can also be currently seen on the Netflix film, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. In our second segment, we welcome New York Times bestselling author, Danielle Page. She's the author of Hashtag ZoeMG of the Dorothy Must Die series. Also the Stealing Snow series, the graphic novel Mara Tidebreaker, the Raven series with Cass Morgan, and the upcoming Fairy Godmother book, The Wish of the Wicked. In addition to writing young adult books, she works in the TV industry and she's received a Writers Guild of America award and nominated for several daytime Emmys. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring actor Joseph Marcel and author Daniel Page. Hi, Mr. Marcel. It's a pleasure to meet you. Hi, Jamie. Good to meet you. (laughs) Um, I am such a fan of you and your work, so this is a delight and a joy to speak to you today. Um, (laughs) First and foremost, um, Exorcism of God. Wow. (laughs) What what an incredible film and um, very jarring. Um, at first glance. Can you tell us a little bit about your character, Father Michael Lewis, in the, in the film? Father Michael Lewis is, um, uh, is an exorcist. Um, and and, and that, that in itself is, is, is confusing because, you know, you, there, there isn't a, a function uh, in, in, in the church. Uh, it is, it, it, it is a, an office that 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 somebody you know is 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 is, is sent is is um t- given to I'm, I'm i'm sorry i'm i'm mixing my word father michael lewis is 
is the mentor of 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 um of Peter and he comes to to help him now that the extraordinary thing about him and and the, the point that I was trying to make is that you know um within within the annals of the Roman Catholic Church it's not often you see a black exorcist or a black cardinal etc cetera, etc cetera. so that 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 is the extraordinary thing and his his whole training, his whole life has been within the the, the, the canon of, of of the Catholic Church. So he's he's you know from from a from a a ten year old acolyte to he he's almost a cardinal now. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up. The you don't see black exorcists, you know, and 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 black cardinals in these kinds of films. Um, and as I mentioned, it was jarring. It's very intense um, film. That's obviously filled with faith-based themes, what compelled you to take on this genre? Was it because of, you know, this lack of diversity in this space and did it shape your own faith? I, yeah, those, 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 those are, uh, I mean, yeah, very, very uh, important examples, but, um, but firstly, I, I'm an actor. And <laughs> to act. Right. Now, but dealing with with, with 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 the examples you gave, they're, they're all true. Because, uh, firstly, uh, if you if you look at the title of the film, the exorcism of God, not the exorcising the devil, it's exorcising God. And you think, oh, that's an interesting thought. I wonder what that could be. And of course, in the course of the film, I discover it's about it's it's how we deal with the the things, our perpetrations, the things that we've done. We know that we shouldn't go left, we should go right, but left looks more exciting and we make the wrong decision. And for, for a non-white actor to, to, to be playing such a role, I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, Alejandro Hidalgo, I mean, to, to actually have the courage to offer me this role and 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 to have the 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 the, the, the delicacy of uh, and gentleness in his directing of me a stage actor in in a film was i mean is is extraordinary and I, I i am pleased that that you know your response and other people's responses have been positive but but yes in in the end um i i have to be an actor and I, but most of all, I have to do it to the best of my ability. And that's where I, you know, enroll people into my cause. Wow. Did it, did, did the film and working on this uh, subject matter, did it have any impact or shape your own faith at all? Um, what it did was, it reminded me of my faith. It reminded me that I that that I was raised a Roman Catholic. That um, I, I I made my first communion. You know, I was confirmed when I was thirteen. Um, uh, you know, and I and I got married in the church. And and all the things that you know the 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 the. The, the the easing of the burden of life of confession, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but really, it it actually showed me that um, my my faith, regardless of what's happening in the world, that that my faith is is started, grew very, very, very well, and it's still there. And uh, I still believe and it's it's wonderful. That's that's incredible. And I'm glad that your faith grew as a result of, of that experience. 
Uh, many of our readers best know your work from the legendary sitcom, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> and I, I wanted to know what your thoughts were on the reception of the new series, Bel-Air. Oh, I, I'm, I'm really cross because, you know, um, Jimmy's getting all these beautiful letters from wonderful young ladies and ladies of a certain age. And I never had any of it's ridiculous. No, my thoughts are, I mean, it's, 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 it's Bel Air for our time. You know, um, we, we were of a different time, but what we did was we, we were, we, just as we were standing on, no, not standing on the shoulders. I find, I find that a terrible phrase. Just as we were following the paths of the people who went before us, they're following our path. And it's, it's like, it's like when a famous uh, 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 folk singer changed his, his, his instrumentation from, from folk guitar to electric guitar and everybody thought, oh my God, oh my God, and then discovered, oh my God, the music is the same, it's wonderful. Right. It's, it, that's what it is. And I mean, I, I, I've seen a few episodes and, and admittedly my initial uh, uh, reaction is that, oh, well, that's not the Jeffrey I, oh, that's, that's Jimmy's Jeffrey, they're fine. He's an actor and he has every right to play the role the way he sees it. And, but most, mostly it, it's given the old show a, a new lease of life. It certainly has. And uh, it's, it, it's interesting to see this contrast into to where Jeffrey is from the, the role that you portray to what we're seeing now in Bel Air. But we're also seeing some old characters being revised kind of in a way because recently Daphne Maxwell-Reed and Renee Watson-Johnson uh, um, are going to be making guest appearances on the show. So I've got to ask you, are we going to expect a guest appearance from you on Bel Air later on? Well, I mean, you know, he is the most marvelous, generous man, but you need to remind him, tell Will, yes, tell <laughs> Will, bring him back, bring him back, Will. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I don't feel like Will would need that much convincing if you want him exactly. want to be back. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Do, do you have a favorite episode, by the way, of Fresh Prince? Oh, my Lord. A favorite, I have, I have favorite moments. Mm -hmm. um, okay, my favorite episode is the Deaf Poets Society. Raphael de la Ghetto, cannons to the right of them, cannons. Yeah. I think that is, that is an extraordinary piece of writing and an extraordinary piece of theater. But one of my favorite moments, and it makes me laugh whenever I think of it, is the day the vacuum cleaner explodes and Jeffrey comes right down the stairs, all disheveled. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, absolutely physical theater, I love it. <clears throat> absolutely, so do we. You know, um, there was a there's a bit of mystery of this new Jeffrey on Bel Air um, that comes across more of a bodyguard than a butler. Um, but I'm curious to know about the Jeffrey that you portrayed. What do you think fans missed or maybe even got wrong about Jeffrey during the run of Fresh Prince? The original. Yeah. Uh, well, because because, you know, it <clears throat> it was it, it 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 was a time where it was about aspirations. Nobody actually enjoyed what they did. Everybody wanted something better, you know. Uh, I'm generalizing, of course, but that you know, that's that's. And 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 what was amazing about Jeffrey was that 
He loved his job. He loved taking care of the children. He loved taking care of the house. He was always well turned out. He, you know, he, he, and he had the, 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 a, a gift that I think even today every most people wish for. He could say what he likes to his employers. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Kind of going back to your um, your theater roots, you've had an impressive stage career in addition to film and television. But yet, is there an area of entertainment that you haven't explored yet that you're interested in? Yeah, song and dance. Wow. I, I had my first singing audition about two months ago, and it was terrible. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't sing to save my life. And yet, when I'm in my shower, I'm the best singer that ever lived. We all can sing incredibly well in the shower. That's so true. I don't know. I feel like with this revival happening of Broadway musicals going to both television and film, you know, there's an opportunity there. Well, um, thank you, Aisha. To from your mouth to God's ears, I will take it. But I, I, I mean, I, the, 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 I, I, there is a role that I want to play. And I, I mean, uh, um, I'd like to continue my movie career, but I, I want to play... Um, Prospero in the Tempest. That's my that's my next big thing. Maybe this summer, but we don't know, we're not quite sure yet. Is there a genre that you haven't been in that you'd be interested in playing with, whether it's film uh, or or theater or TV? Um, a t- I would love. I mean, uh, it, it, it's 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 because of my generation. I would love to be in a western. Oh yeah. I would love to be in a Western. I, I just, uh, I can ride, I can ride, I can ride European, I can ride American. I'd love to be in a Western. I would love to see you in a Western. I feel like fans would obviously would love to see you in a Western. And we're seeing some really great revivals with recently The Harder They Fall. And I, I would well, love yes, to see that opportunity. Regina, I mean, she's, uh, oh my God, Idris, all of them. Oh. <laughs> Well, Mr. Marcel, I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to you about your film, The Exorcism of God, to talk about Fresh Prince. Um, It's been an honor and a pleasure. I'm such a big fan of your work and, and just thank you for your time today. Thank you very much indeed. Stay safe and uh, see you soon, hopefully. Okay, you too. You take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. Finding and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a terrible experience. Trust me, I've been down that road before and it is not pleasant. Will they take your insurance, understand your needs, or be available when you see them? Well, with ZocDoc, the answer can be a refreshingly pain-free yes. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Just go to ZocDoc.com forward slash BGN and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash B-G-N. 
ZocDoc.com slash BGN. Welcome to the Black Gunners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and we have all become so attached to our phones. It's just the age that we're living in, so attached to just tech in general. And, you know, I think I've become very, very good at, like most of you, sending emojis, right? Like you want that quick, fast, in a hurry message, right? Maybe so much that it could be my superpower or your superpower, but stay away from the poop emoji. I highly recommend staying away from that. But, you know, for this episode, I want to kind of introduce you to the world of hashtag Jolie MG. If you're not already familiar with it, I'm diving in for the first time with you guys here. And it's going to be so cool. I have with me New York Times bestselling author and writer of hashtag Zoe MG, Daniel Page. How you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? So good. Thank you for joining me again. This is so cool. Like, I love how this this really pulls on the fact of always wanting to take a selfie and just the world of emojis. Um, but before we dive into that, uh, that yet, um, you also have like a screenwriting background, television background. Um, what would you say? I'm curious to ask, what would you say is the biggest difference between screenwriting and just and just sitting down writing, uh, writing a book, writing YA books? Um, I think it's all about description and internal monologues. Like I, when I first started writing books, um, I, I would still write them. Like I, I used to write soaps. Um, I wrote Forgetting Light and Days of Our Lives, which was so much fun. And um, when you first start writing uh, comics or YA, like it's about having to describe what the, the room looks like and what the person's thinking right. and what they're wearing. I was used to having like a set designer and then, and a, director and so it's like you actually now you're everything so you have to so I remember when I was working on my first book my editor sent it back and she was my first few chapters back and she was like this is great but what is she wearing what's the room look like you know it's like so that's uh, I think that's a big transition because I can hear voices in my head like I totally hear dialogue first whenever I'm thinking of a character and having to be a little bit more visual and and to like have to paint a picture for the reader yeah, that's definitely like a sign of a true writer because that is not easy. Like she, like Danielle's making it sound real easy right now, but it's a lot that goes into like trying to create all of this stuff. Speaking of which, um, uh, Zoe MG hashtag Zoe MG, talk about just the idea and the concept. Like, where did the idea come from? So, it, um, Zoe does not belong to me. She belongs to the Emergence Universe, which was a, a like a, mm-hmm. a card game that Brian David Marshall created and he wanted to expand into comics and he said what would you be interested in writing for Zoe and the idea behind Zoe is that she is a character who uh, whose power is emojis and I my addition to that <clears throat> was that I, I wanted to I thought well what if her emojis actually influenced people like she's like the ultimate influencer so it wasn't just that you could see what she's thinking and like little emojis around her because that was the idea but what if she could project that so when you're having if Zoe's having a bad day everyone around her can have a bad day if she wants them to so it and she doesn't always have control of that power so I just thought it would be such a we are all addicted to our phones especially teenagers and like what if your emotions were connected to that so it was I, I think it's such a fun idea that's so kind of of the moment especially right now Right. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, we're talking about Interpop Comics. Um, you guys definitely go look that up. Check it out. Um, love what they're doing as far as bringing in so um, so many different creators. And, um, and the fact of having Danielle work on this project is so cool. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to know, like, 
for Zoe or when you're writing Zoe, what were some of the, the earlier, um, I guess, um, images you have, you know, not uh, kind of bouncing off the fact of like a young person, you know, getting trying to be on social media all the time. Our parents are like, hey, watch what you post. Um, and, you know, kind of coming into her power of being able to, you know, influence through emojis. And does a younger does a young person have control over that? Um, how did you go about like approaching, uh, you know, writing the first issue? Like what were some of the, the key topics and key elements you wanted to add? Um, I think that I like the first image I thought of when I thought of Zoe was like, what if she's like, what would what would be her first expression of that power? Like before she even knows that she's got the power. So I thought mm-hmm. about I have a niece who's now 10. But when she was a little baby, she was obsessed with her with, with an iPad. And if you've ever seen a kid like playing with an iPad, <laughs> they are it's like like baby crack or something you know and I, I feel like they like there's this um so so there I just had this idea of a scene in my head of like what if someone breaks into their house and she's playing with her iPad and like what if there's a what if that's when you start seeing her emojis like she's this a, a, an intense emotional moment is like what brings it out of her and she literally uses her emojis to like push the bad guys away and it affects the town and she's not aware of it because she's she's a little kid and um her parents kind of shield her from that knowledge and as she gets older she realizes her power and she can't you know help but realize her power because you can just physically see emojis like floating around her every time she's got uh, a big emotional moment so for me I think it was about you know I feel like being a kid is such a heightened time and you're learning everything for the first time and what if on top of that people could see what you were thinking and and see what you're feeling and like how much more awkward would that be um and as she gets older I feel like she starts to come into that power and what do you do with that power like how you know what like what do you like do you do you influence people what is how does consent you know play into that and her parents really push the idea of like you can't you know you can't control other people um and the emergence universe has this other group of has this big group of superheroes called the nine and she's actually recruited to be one of them and she doesn't know that she doesn't want to be part of that she wants to just be a normal kid and as she realizes that there's a responsibility with this power that there's a chance she could actually help people she starts to play with that and i think the whole series is her figuring out like what can i do what can i do and how do i weigh what's you know saving the world versus like influencing people is it is it bad you know right and also to people figuring out too you know when you have the superhero you always have their crew their clicker people that they like to hang around um that kind of influence a lot of decisions they do as well um you know for her we have we have mace we have heidi heidi um heidi kind of kind of gets tricky a little bit as the issues go but she's also kind of like a cool interesting character kind of play with um and you know also of, of course you know added in the diversity here of her friend group um and um you know of uh mace hopefully i'm pronouncing his name right he is he is totally like blue like blue it's, it's this power that so he's not essentially like like human i guess you want to say a little bit but it, it's like the her whole friend group is very unique and different um and i guess what i'm getting at is is how how difficult or what was the challenge of you uh for you of like trying to make all those characters relatable and you know try not to have them judge each other as much as possible in this group in this friend group 
I think that um, like Zoe picked out people in her life that that she felt like wouldn't judge her. Like she's got this power that that is again like super awkward for a little kid um, and a teenager to have everything kind of on display. And these are the people that accept her. And so she kind of found her tribe. And Mazer has its own issues because he's got this power where he can like take any like electrical power or other power around him and use that. He is, has to wear a suit because he basically is kind of this like energy, you know? Um, And so he's has, he has his issues and he he can't avoid people seeing what his power is. So I think that that's why they relate. Heidi is her power is not really power. It's, it's, you know, she's a normal girl who loves fashion and also really has a crush on Mazer and she uh and Mazer has a crush on Zoe so it's got like a lot of the normal teen drama stuff going um uh quick hit is uh like she just moves really fast like she's kind of like the like the flash kind of a like a speedster basically um so those are her friends that at her school and these are kids who've decided they don't want to be part of the there's another school in town that is uh Phaeton which is like the superhero school and they don't want to be part of that just they just want to be normal kids right and you have and that's interesting too just not all automatically um wanting to um you know go to to the Phaeton and also um there's this idea of the rejects and her brother and I thought that was an interesting aspect to bring in as well you know her family knowing about these powers she's not hiding it from them and her helping and they're you know them in a sense if she lets them helping her deal with the fact that her parents are advancing and the things that she can do that she didn't know she could do because you know her parents wanted to shelter her as much as she could um and it's go ahead go ahead no no go 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 (laughs) no 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 you probably about to lead into what I was going to talk about I mean just that just that family dynamic if you want to kind of talk about and give us some little details on that and putting that together and just you know it's, it's it's it got to a point not to ruin it for everybody but it's it's interesting her brother's relationship as her powers start to form and the things that he goes through as well and like how do the parents handle having these two super powered uh kids Right. So Zoe's parents, like her, her mom has powers. She's got like plant powers where she can uh, manifest plants, which is really cool. And her dad doesn't have powers. So the, the kids are twins and, and it looks like Sam doesn't really have much power. That's her little brother, her brother, they're twins, but he's a couple minutes younger. And she, his power is to stop time for 30 seconds and then he can play pranks or whatever. But he really wants to go to the superhero school and he really wants to be a superhero. But when he goes to audition for the superhero school, he's deemed not good enough to go. And so he joins this group called the Rejects, which is where where kids who want to be superheroes go and they, they have kind of their own fight club and and, and some of them have been like kicked out of their homes because they had superpowers. Not everyone accepted them. And that group of kids is where he ends up. And there's kind of a spark of rivalry between the, the, the two um, twins, even though Zoe doesn't really realize it yet. Because one of Zoe's, um, I don't want to say vulnerabilities, but like I think we all like spend a lot of time on our phones and sometimes we're not paying attention to real life. And, mm-hmm. and for Zoe, occasionally she like loses focus about that. And, and um, but Zoe's parents and Sam's parents, they really try to, to kind of keep the kids in check and, and, you know, use their powers responsibly. And um, they're not 100% aware of everything the kids are doing. Yeah, and I love the moments, too, of, like, speaking of Zoe not fully, you know, sometimes, she, you know, she's younger. She's, like you said, she's not always going to be aware of what's going around her. They're trying to, you know, there are the nine that are trying to get her, or some some people of the nine trying to get her to step up to, you know, to be a hero because they need that part of their team. There's other things going on in the world. And she has these random moments of taking a selfie. 
like everything else is going on around her and she's like you know this is just a great angle guys you know when you're looking at her in this in this world and it's so funny to me like it's such an interesting twist well I think it's just I was trying to think about like what again like what would a real teenager do in those moments and in this world like I think a lot of uh, a lot of superhero comics don't when they have teenagers they don't really like they just leave the phones out of it and now right, they exactly really pay attention to like it's it's part of it's part of our world so if I were a kid and I saw something really cool going down I might take a selfie you know and that's like she's she's she still stays true to her herself and and she also um when she was first like experiencing these emojis, like she found this like odd community online that accepted her and thought that what like that her emojis were cool. And I think she still feels like this need and responsibility to still like check in with those, those people that follow her. And she yeah. uses her followers as like a yeah, reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool too. Like just that line, you know, of her putting that out there, like when she wants to find certain hits about certain villains or find certain things, she's putting it out on social media. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, why not use it? Like, I feel like it's so I felt like that would like what again, like, really a lot of this comic is like, it's like, what would a real kid do, you know, in mm-hmm. that situation? And I wanted to to play with that and just have fun with it. Uh, a couple more characters I want to mention here before we talk about the crossover, because guys, this is so cool. Any any like crossovers and comics, we definitely got to get your, your details on this. Um, but uh, Devastate, uh, Devastatrix and Cokes. What are some of your favorite things about writing those characters or writing like writing them in 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 uh, Zoe's world? So Cokes can break into people's dreams and kind of go Inception style and and, you know, um, <laughs> and, and play with people and find out what they're really dreaming about and thinking about and fuck with their uh, uh, mess with their dreams. Um, and Devastatrix is a, like a she's got um, she's she's super strong and she is a wrestler. She she, she left the um fame school and left that like these people like left that world behind and 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 became a performer and so i think that zoe kind of loves that about her that she didn't go the normal path like she didn't just become a superhero she's doing something else um and she she also is part of the nine too and she's also part of pulling her in though um and coax and zoe are kind of reluctant friends at first uh mainly because Cox really doesn't have any qualms about consent. Like she feels like she can break into anyone's dream when she feels like it. And Zoe doesn't think that's a hundred percent right. Uh, and so there's a little bit of friction, but also they kind of understand each other because their powers are similar. Yeah. So cool. And then like the, the fashion where all three of these ladies, um, their, their outfits and uniforms are so cool to see unfold on the page. So you guys definitely got to check that out. Um, okay. So I want to talk to you about the crossover here, the zero hour. Um, it started with uh, the nine issue five, which is out now, you guys, you can go get it. Um, and then we're going to end with um, the nine issue six going to be out March 12th. Um, what, like when you're talking about a crossover event, for the writers, for the artists, what does that look like? Having to bring all these characters, having to bring all these ideas together. I think it's really, like, definitely is kind of a writer's room moment. Like we all hop up, and in this case, a Zoom room moment. Um, that kind of takes me back to my television days. Like you have to hop on, you have to just kind of iron it out and decide what, what is everyone's role in the crossover. Um, and that has been, Will Pfeiffer uh, writes the nine and we hopped on the phone um, with Steve Ellis, uh, who's, um, who's uh, uh, Will's artist and, and uh, PJ 
uh, who's my artist, um, and we and our editor Rachel Gluckstern and Brian David Marshall, who created the series, um, and we just kind of hashed out what we thought the crossover should be. And since uh, Zoe has her own arc, we, like how does she fit in with that? And so um, the decision was that that Zoe would use her power, like her power, would be essential to this mission that they have when they jump back in time and um, she using her unique skills with her emotion. And she has to decide whether or not to use that power on, uh, I don't know how far I should go with this, but on another kid who, and who's actually called fate and he's the reason he's the name behind the school. And he uh, was, he, I don't know how much I should tell you, uh, but it, something happened <laughs> to him in the past and, he, and then we're going back to the past to save him and to save the world. And so Zoe has to go back in the past and meet this kid and, and use her influencing power to stop him from doing something really bad. Uh, but when she gets to that moment, does she use her power or not? Um, and the rest of the nine helps with that. And so it, it was just this, um, it was fun to see all the characters cross over and for her to find this purpose and have this like, and actually be the one that that might like be the lunch like the 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 big moment like the one responsible for helping save everybody uh but yeah do you have anything else you want to kind of talk about with the crossover any kind of any kind of uh, moments details about the characters what can you tease about um about zoe as we kind of get to the end like do we does she get any more emoji powers that we don't know about it because could anything added there can you tease that yeah, I can. Um, and and if you want me to say something about the crossover, I'll just say in general. Like my favorite moment between the yeah, two that's yeah, it's always fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, my favorite moment with, between the two issues would be like Zoe meeting Phaeton and having this, having to make this big choice, and and maybe it sparks a little bit more than she expects. Um, and then as far as like closing out Zoe's story, um, and my yeah. own art, I feel like, um, there's a big, 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 um, um confrontation with someone that she never expected that she would 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 emerge as kind of a villain or possibly a villain um at the end of this at the end of um issue five and going into issue six she's gotta fight somebody that she did not want to fight and that's like that's where we end up and um i think hopefully that spells another new arc for zoe after this and the nine and it's been really just such a joy to write her and i want to shout i think um i, I already shouted out to my artist so right um so yeah i think that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's cool yeah you guys definitely check it out um go uh uh, google interpop comics check out the emergence the nine uh get zoe in there um it's so cool how all these crossover events are going all these different um you know superheroes that we don't get to see like on a day-to-day -day, and we get to see a different story and um to be able to relate to zoe in this way like a younger kid that's attached to our phones we're all like some of those big kids out here can't get away from our phones so it's so interesting to see her use that for good and and to you know be a superhero in that way so uh guys highly recommend to check it out um, check out the, the zeroth hour crossover event again it's out right now by the time you get to this episode it will end march uh 12 so make sure you get all the issues and read all that um and you know me here putting danielle on the spot because you know it's hard when you do a crossover issue it's all different kind of events and everything that goes down in crossovers in the crossover world all right so danielle i'm gonna i'm gonna switch if i get myself in trouble because i want to give too much away so they have a chance to dive into these characters thank you um, so much for having me Oh, thank you. Um, let me ask you too, because you are you're constantly busy. I love the hustle that you have going with writing here, constantly coming up with uh YG titles and new things for us. So the fairy godmother, um, the wish of the wicked. Can you tell us about that? So I always wondered like what like 
what was the deal with the fairy godmother and Cinderella? Like, why, like, why is she there? She's the one with all the power and, and, you know, she, and we don't really know what her story is. So I, I just, uh, that's where I started. I, my first um, book series was Dorothy Must Die. It was a Wizard of Oz retelling with um, an evil Dorothy. This one is the fairy godmother story. And it's really about um, how she came to be. And I had this idea of what if all the, all the, baddies from the fairy tale world what if they were all part of the same sect of women and they were actually all magical people who were persecuted and um so the first book begins with um a, a, a woman being called a witch and she's burned and then her daughter is the fairy godmother and she and her sisters go out into the world um seeking revenge um and so it's kind of a and some of them end up like that's how we get the evil queen that's how we get the witch in every fairy tale that we know and and it's a revenge story but it's also a redemption story like will she choose to um take a different path from her sisters oh yeah you gotta love when you could when you get the story on on the baddies right and change it up a little bit and and people aren't expecting it um yeah because i'm thinking fairy godmother i'm thinking roses and flowers and oh you know your typical she's here to help but this is that sounds really cool i i, I can't wait to see how that tis, that twist is gonna go i'll make sure i send you one <laughs> oh yeah definitely send me one um okay last year like i got one more question because i'm having fun talking to you this is my last question here <laughs> i want to ask you um, because I think your stories are so cool, so intricate here. Uh, what, the way you play with the magic, the the mysticism, supernatural. Where did that come from for you? Like, what is your? Why is that a passion of yours? And and you know, why do you love that particular genre? Um, I think for me, I mean, when I was a little kid, like I feel like like I was drawn to um, stories that and I don't think I really realized this, but for me, like fairy tales were kind of like my first like superheroes in a way. Like you had these like it was, there were these stories where both the protagonist and the antagonist were women and they were all, they were powerful. And there was a, you know, I, I don't know, there was something I was drawn to that and I didn't realize why mm. I think until I was older. And so I think I still, and and I never expected to actually go on and write comics. Like um, I wrote uh, Mira's Highbreaker, which was a Mira story for DC. Um, I've done so for Archie comics. And like, I, I, I just never expected to be in this, world I didn't think there was really kind of a space for me and and um and now there is so I I I feel like it's just been such a joy and it's been so much fun I think a lot of um girls like I think though but you don't know that there's a space in this like comic book place for you and it's like getting to carve that out has been great yeah and just like the twist that you put on characters like women are not one layered and so I love that you are are taking all the twists and turns you could possibly take in the world of magic. Um, and it's been just a pleasure to talk to you. So much fun. Thank you so much. You too. All right, you guys definitely again, go check this out. Get ready for this, this, this new uh, fairy godmother twist. And also go check out uh, hashtag Joey MG while you're waiting. That's plenty for you to read right there. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you guys definitely go check that out. Thanks again, Danielle. Thank you. The black girl nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.